Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is the Fuck the Emmys podcast. Well, they're just, just so complicated. I'm just gonna say it for the small act. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna talk about the nominations because I actually don't care. Yeah. Or I, mean, I actually say Fuck the Emmys because whatever. But, you know, I figured small acts is gonna take something besides cinematography. Well, and I think there's a big um, anti-Ethan Hawke thing going on um, in society where, like, he doesn't get nominated for First Reformed. He doesn't get nominated for... I mean, he still um, has an Oscar nomination. He has an Oscar nomination, but not for the stuff that, like, everyone's just like, well, he's amazing in this. Yeah, he's like a training um, He doesn't get one for... Uh, um, Gattaca. Yeah, he is. What's the name? Uh, good, uh, good Lord Jim. Um... The the Jim Brown not Jim Brown, what's the guy the the abolitionist, what's that guy's name? Jim Crow. Jim no not Jim. <laughs> Jim Crow the abolitionist. Jim, um, Jim. Good Lord Bird. Good Lord Bird. I'm doing this by memory. While I was looking it up. Good. Was Lord. this a movie? It was a miniseries. Yeah. Oh oh this is this was for this year. Yeah yeah yeah. I heard a lot about Ethan Hawke not getting nominated. Yeah, and everyone just assumed he was like a shoe in for it. Yeah. Or John John Brown. The abolitionist John Brown. Yes? I'm just John Brown. John, John Brown was the abolitionist. Got it. But he Ethan Hawke plays him. Not Jim Crow. Not Jim Crow. Matter if he if he played like an embodiment of Jim Crow. That might not be good. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good for his God, probably for his probably would not deserve a nomination. But um, no, you know, just small acts getting nothing. It's disappointing. I read kind of an article that was just like, oh, people didn't know what to do with Small X. I was like, I'm pretty sure nobody watched Small X. Yeah, I think that might also be a part of it. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't think the Underground Railroad got a lot of, like a ton of nominations either. I think. Was Underground Railroad within the time frame? Yeah. Was it? Okay. Because I don't know when the Emmys actually go through. I think it literally goes through till like September, like right before the Emmys. Is like the nom- you can get nominated right. So stuff that's not even out yet could be nominated. Sure. And Jits Creek can get re-nominated. <laughs> I mean, sure they would if they could. If they, if they didn't have they Ted Lasso, like, they'd find a way to yeah. like get something in there. They'll nominate Jessica Walton instead of Catherine O'Hara and just say that she plays <laughs> that character. Anyway, that's anyway, a show, that's Mario, a that's a show I watched and then completely forgot I watched. What? Jits Creek. Oh yeah, it's awful. I mean, I liked it, but then it was over. It's just, just wheel spinning. Ted Lasso, I watched half half of the first season. I was like, this is fun. And then, like any TV show, I was just like, okay, that's enough now. Yeah. Uh, we've started watching for no reason. I think my wife just kind of was bored one night, and she was exploring Apple TV, and she was like, what's this? What's this show? And it was the morning show. No. Oh. Oh, that is a tough watch, Mario. That yeah. is a tough watch. I mean, like, I, I only stick to, to miniseries or shows that I can, like, watch within, like, one span. Like, I watch Barry, but only because I wait till Barry's over and mm. just pretend it's a three and a half hour long movie. Yeah, I feel like if I had to, and I've only ever watched Barry like that. I feel like if I had to watch Barry, like, on a week to week basis, I just, I just it would be just diminishing returns. Like, every week you'd be like, Meh, that was okay. Well, like Loki, I watched like the first two episodes, and then I just did not watch it again until today. Mm-hmm. And that was probably a good idea. I mean, we do. Is this where we want to start? Do we want to start there? Or no, we didn't want to start there. No, right? we did. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. TV's fine. 
Nair of East side or whatever it was was fine. A lot of the stuff that they people call greats just fine. I don't think TV's that good. Like people are like TV's better getting better than film now, and I'm like, is it? I don't think so. I think film's just getting worse. Uh, is but it it's... though? No, it's like people people think films are like third the the fifty big movies that come out every year. But I think in relatively relative terms, I think the stuff that is and I don't want to be one of these guys that's like, oh, they don't make the mid-level dramas anymore because most of the time those mid-level dramas stink and people just like have fond memories of them for when they watch them. Mm-hmm. So it's like a contextual kind of nostalgia for a thing that in reality isn't really very good. So I think we're getting a lot of like mid-level dramas in the form of like indie stuff. And a lot of that indie stuff just kind of isn't, isn't, isn't good. And... Or it's or it means well, or it's made by an interesting filmmaker. It's just kind of not successful because some kind of aesthetic thing gets in the way of making just like a normal movie. I think there's a lot of movies though, that come out every year, and I agree with you. But I still think that there's a good chunk, at least twenty to twenty-five movies that come out every year that, to me, are far better than anything I see on TV. Oh well, the fact like, that... as much as like I love True se- True de- True Detective season one. True season detective one. True detective season one. Like there's still like fifty minutes of that that you could just get rid of. Sure. And like that's, that's TV. That's, yeah, and that's not there with film. It's right. Not like really solid cinema. Well, like the, imagine if Nine Days was like a nine episode. Oh, it'd be series. awful. It'd be it would have been awful. It just would have been not nearly as. Concise no, I think it would have been. But I think it wouldn't have been awful. Like I guess aesthetically. But it would have been awful in the sense that by episode five, you'd be like, I get this. Imagine when if are we no gonna Mad stop Land this? had been a TV show. I mean, it already felt like it was nine hours. But I feel like they could have, uh, they could have made, yeah, they could have made Nomadland a TV show, and they might. Yeah, like maybe With there's Parasite a Nomad becoming a TV show. Exactly. There's like an IP now for like all Oscar winners. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the Emmys don't matter because TV really doesn't matter. I'm gonna say it. It's just it's fine. It's, it's too fragmented. And the yeah. stuff that they give awards to, they give awards to every year. Like, I haven't seen one second of The Handmaid's Tale, but I know that it's. Can, this season was, like, from a review standpoint, it was considered not very good. And the I watched accidentally the first two seasons, and it's just the most unpleasant, awful, horrible thing I've ever seen. And just pointless, aesthetically pointless, and, like, Elizabeth Moss is fine. Some of the acting is fun. Bradley Whitford is okay, but it's just an awful show. But every single year, it gets nominated for everything. Multiple awards. It's like The like, Crown. There's no yeah. way The Crown's that good. No, no. I mean, I don't, I don't watch it, but I just can only assume. We can assume. It's British. British and people. it's like Queen's Gambit. It was great, but it's seven episodes, seven episodes and there's like, there's like two episodes too many. Probably one episode too many. Sure. One. Whatever. One episode too many. Just TV, just calm down. Just make yourself shorter. <laughs> or longer. Be a series or be a movie. I think um, with some some of the stuff we're going to talk about later, um, in the episode, that shit was a lot of work too. For however enjoyable it was, it's just a lot There's of some work. stuff that doesn't need to I be just, there. And I don't want to work. I don't want to work that hard. And I actually think that's a, maybe like a fairly good segue for me. I think. For, like, the first thing we're going to talk about, which is, think on the surface, it seems like it'll be fun. And then you sit down, and, like, the plot starts moving around, and you're just like, and I was just like, why? Really? 
Why? What is this? What is happening here? I feel like you're just jumping around, Tom. You're just jumping around in your opinion on that one. I think it's time that you stop and have no sudden move. <laughs> right off of your what is going on? What's going on, big guy? Yeah, what are we doing? We're following instructions. Are you helping me or are you not helping me? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Thank you. Set up, man. God called me, offering me $10,000 to turn you in. 15 for the white guy. Think you're the only one that can make a move? I can make a move, too. Have the keys. I'd like to listen to the radio. Organized crime, like the mob. Well, I guess that's a $64,000 question. And Knock it off of your it's been a long day. I'll put this over you so I can relax. Thank you. You having a good time? Bang, 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 bang. Knock it off of your so, how'd it go? slip up at work. Well, I don't think that's the end of that. Are you chickened out? Oh. The problem is, you're not smart enough to know how not smart you are. Which makes you unpredictable. Which makes you untrustworthy. Why are you doing this, man? Because I'm going to get what's mine. Sorry. I'm gonna punch you now, sir. I'm punching you. This is going to be a punch. Boom, boom, boom. So, you know, it's the 1950s. There's some gangsters who get hired by uh, the whale, Brendan Fraser. He clearly was gaining weight or losing the weight wherever he was in the process of preparing for the Darren Aronofsky film. Hope he gets... Hope he's good in that. Hope he gets an Oscar nomination. Brendan Fraser deserves. I thought he was pretty good in this. I do too. Most of the movie until he died. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And right around the scene when he died, I was like, no, 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 it's too much Brendan Fraser going. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so they're, you know, a bunch, bunch of several gangsters who are kind of uh, they've had mishaps or, or weird circumstances in their past. Uh, or cheating on with the spouse of their own their their gangster boss and whatever, they're assigned to you know do the kind of kidnapping slash extortion of this accountant who works for GM. I think GM, yeah. G- I watched this a couple weeks ago. Uh, GM, uh, you know, good good David David Harbor episode we got going on here. I know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do that, but then it turns out. Uh, much to Kurt and Ronald's uh, dismay, that the the plan was actually to basically kill everybody, not just you know kidnap and hold this family at gunpoint for a little bit and let them go. Um, and so they you know they they make sure it doesn't happen by getting rid of the worst actor in this film, Karen Culkin. Sorry, Karen Culkin, but you're the worst part of this movie. Well, Matt Damon is in this movie, you know. I, I found that fine. <laughs> um. And then they go on the run because they're trying to find out exactly what's going on here. They're trying to find out what exactly was the thing they were trying to find. It turns out it was a catalytic converter plans. They get those through comedy mishap-ish stuff, whatever. You know, David Harbour has that funny apologizing to his boss as he punches him in the face a lot. It's the best part of this movie. Yeah. Um, Then there's, you know, 
turns and betrayals and whatevers. There's some Ray Liotta in there. I was so excited when he, like, I mean, I knew he was going to be in this, but when he showed up, I was like, yes, now we're going to see some stuff. Some Ray Liotta thing. He just was like, what? You know, he ah, it just was. He, he has that one good line where he, like, pretends to know that Benicio del Toro has been cheating on his wife. And then when Benicio del Toro leaves, he's like, I fucking knew it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. the best. That's the best part of that. But it's, I mean, I always think of when I was watching this, I was like, oh, in, even in something like Marriage Story, which I didn't love, he is, like, owning that scene. And I was like, Benicio del Toro falling asleep seems to be more compelling than. Like Ray Liotta really seeming like he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of back turns and betrayals and Bill Dukes and whatnots. And uh, eventually, basically everyone dies. Um, except for Don Cheadle and Bill Duke. And then John Cheadle just wants to go to St. Louis. Kansas, Kansas City. City. And then he does. And that's the end. And There's John Hamm. He's there. He gives all of his money to Matt Damon, including the money he got extra. I thought it was interesting. But he got a bottle of a bottle of good good liquor for it. It's good for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, Matt Damon's like like a big rich major government ish, but corporation. You know, I mean, it's a pretty for me. It's a pretty easy film actually to follow, but like explaining it's a little convoluted. Well, I I liked it. This is this you is seem like review. you're sad about it. No, it's just like it's it's like not like there's. I I really had a good time with it, mm-hmm. and like there's a there's the Soderbergh thing that I have, where either it's a fucking garbage, it's the laundromat, or what is that piece of shit film we watched on the boat with Meryl Streep? Let them all talk. Of, let's just call it the piece of shit movie with Meryl Streep on the boat. Um, you know, where that's the Soderbergh experience: sex, lies, and videotapes. That garbage. Oh, the entire Oceans movies, I said it. Or, you know, it's it's the fun Soderbergh, the insane Soderbergh, the dumb fu- shit with Haywire. This is like Haywire for me. Mm. But the nice thing about it is Gina Carino isn't, or whatever the fuck her last name is, isn't in it messing it all up with the fact that she can't act her way out. Was she supposed to be in it? Back. What, in, no, she's in Haywire. Oh, okay. She's like the lead in Haywire, gotcha. but she's terrible. I mean, if anybody's seen Mandalorian, you could see how bad it is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad she canceled herself because one, she has piece of shit opinions, but secondly, she can't act worth a damn. I actually don't think she has any opinions. I think she's just an idiot. Probably. She's from <laughs> Reno. Most people from <laughs> Reno are idiots. Present company included. Um, you said that, not me. No, I don't. <laughs> but I, the thing I like about this is it feels like everyone, except for Ray Leon, is having, and Kieran Culkin are having some amount of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actors who are having fun are charismatic enough to carry it quite well. Mm-hmm. Don Cheadle's Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro's interactions are always fun to look at. They're okay. And yeah, it's just enjoyable. Um David Harbour's just kind of aloof, goofy nonsense crap is good and like his interactions with um who the hell is the his the his secretary? I can't remember the secretary's name. Oh, secretary Paula Paula Fox, Paula Cole, Frankie Paula. Shaw. Her name is oh, Paula. Okay. Are great, are, are fun. Um, Amy Smith is is in a different movie apparently because <laughs> she's like thinks that, like she needs to really bite down on this. Um, well, she went the little methody. Yeah, she did. Uh, like changed her appearance a little bit and like very, which is she's which doing is fine. a really good job. Yeah, but it's jarring in the fact that everybody else realizes that this is kind of it's very 
bubblegummy and popcorn well, in a way. It's, yeah. it's got it's pulp. It's extremely pulpy. Yes. Um, and it works in that kind of fashion. It has this kind of like Elliot Gould seventies feel to me, mm-hmm. and that's why I like enjoyed it. In the fact that like the people who weren't taking it seriously and kind of realized the kind of ride they're on, they did an enjoyable watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy Simetz is was good. She's she's doing a different movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she's really good in it. Yeah. The people who didn't know that this was that. Kieran Culkin and, and, to an extent, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta at times knows what he's doing and at times doesn't. Um, I still think this... I don't think his... Mostly Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin stinks in this. Like, I'm glad he, he dies really quickly. Because, like, I was having trouble, like, with this movie when it has that turn of, like, drama. And then when he just gets his brains blown out, I'm like, thank fucking God. <laughs> Get him out of here. I, I usually like Kieran Culkin and stuff. Like, I liked him in Scream 4 and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, and I, I don't know. I just think this is it's it's good in the way of like it's a movie I watch, I enjoy it on a weekend night, and then I'm out of it. Yep, and it's done, and I forget about it. Right, and I think we're I think we're roughly on the same page. I think you just respond to this type of movie like a little better than me. We had this conversation via text the other day about about Steven Soderbergh, and you made the same point that you just made, and then I kind of turned back and I was like, I either really like Steven Soderbergh. Um, or no, I either kind of hate Steven Soderbergh or I'm kind of like generally apathetic to Steve, most Steven Soderbergh things. Although he has a couple of movies that I really, really like, which is, My hands are you know, <sighs> muscles couldn't open up. No, you loosened it. You loosened it. Um, which is the bubbles, the girlfriend experiences, um, the girlfriend experiences, it's I love that movie. High Flying Bird, like his weird experimental stuff. I, I always get more out of that than when Sasha he... Gray better than Gina Carino. Yeah, Sasha Gray better than Julia Fox. Woof! That was a See, that was an uncut. I, I thought that was interesting because she's not she's fine in Uncut Gems. She's great in Uncut Gems, but I think it's even when I was watching Uncut Gems, I was like, this seems contextual. This seems like it's the perfect character, the perfect uh, like aesthetic for this character. Does she need to be the perfect over-directed? energy for this character. I think she just needs to be. I think she needs to have too much character. Mm. There's not enough character in here to support like Julia Fox, but which happens sometimes with actors. There's a lot going on with that that character, with that Vanessa character. Like it's unsaid. there's a lot of plot, but there's not a lot of character. But there's a lot that she could have chewed on to make it because. The the script in itself, by you know famed um, Tonight Show host Ed Sullivan, <laughs> Ed Sullivan, whatever, um, suggests that like it's po- like that she'll turn on Ronald, and like she could have done some scenery chewing to suggest that she doesn't. She didn't do anything. Yeah, she's just there. Yeah, but I think it's because she's not a cus- she's not an actress. So she's not accustomed to chewing. Really? S- she's like a she's like a um, model actress or something like that. I don't even want to go so far as to say a model because I think she does stuff. I think she's just like a cultural like figure at this point where she's um, she does model. I think she designs stuff. Clothing designer. Yeah. Um, she's an, you know she's an actress. I definitely I think Uncut Gems was her first oh, movie, right? Uh, she had like the great American mud wrestle that maybe she directed. I don't know. Um, yeah, Uncut Gems was her first big. Okay. Eh. She's still that early into the process. But I think this is... Fine. But, right. And I'm, I'm not like... 
I don't. I for some reason thought she had like a lot of stuff behind. No, her. and that's like I don't mean to criticize her, and I don't because I don't think it's necessarily her fault. I think there's parts of this movie that are done really well from a script standpoint, from a narrative standpoint. And I think there's other parts in this that are just stuck in there to have like the noir effect or the double cross effect or the triple cross effect or have the message effect. Like when Matt Damon was giving his dumbass speech in that boardroom, I was like, oh my God, it is so Meryl Streep, like at the end of the laundromat, just like yelling at me about how America really is and how like we're all failing and we have to do better and all this other stuff and how he's going to win and... You know, and it's obviously the context is different. Very Bill and Ted, yeah. The, the, not the context, but like the, um, the, the, the text, the message is different, but it felt the same. Um, oh my, by the way, I'm, re, I'm looking at the screenwriter's credits, Ed Solomon, and it's great. What is it? I mean, he's one of the two creators of Bill and Ted. Oh, really? Yeah. So he has Bill and Ted, all three of them. Uh, he has the original Charlie's Angels. He has both of the Now You See Me films. Um, he has Men in Black, which I assume he co-wrote. But uh, he's got Super Mario Brothers. Mom and Dad Save the World. Whoa, this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ed Solomon, you're terrible. He, he had to co-write. Oh, wow. No, he, he, he solo writ, wrote uh, Men in Black. So he, he, had a, he had three movies working for him. Um first two Bill and Ted's are good. But yeah. This, which is, I guess, fine. It just recently, he has not done very good work. And, and, and I think this is just kind of shows in that, I think one of the things that a movie like this, if the, if the script seems a little unfocused, that you have actors that like feel like they need to do a lot to like pump up the, the, the drama. So I think the scene you're talking about with Kieran Culkin, when they get back to the house after they go, to his office and like the the file is he gives him just some yeah. kind of random file and all of a sudden Kieran Culkin's like running around the house and yelling at people being like get him in the living room get in the living room I think I told you to get in the living room get in the living room I just want to be like yeah there's a table right there why don't they just all and they're all in this room why don't they all just sit at the table why don't they all just go into the playroom they're all in the kitchen why don't they all just stay in the kitchen well, like I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what the big deal is and I th- I'm not gonna go so far as to say that he was improving or ad-libbing any of that stuff but I think the 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 script said put get them the get in the living room and Steven Soderbergh and him collaborated on making this a dramatic moment and it just feels chaotic and wrong and the and so which points to my major problem with this movie is that the energy just seems to ebb and yeah. flow like crazy. But I don't think it ebbs and flows from a story standpoint, and which is a, now going to be a criticism of the screenplay, is I feel it's cr- the screenplay of itself isn't very funny. The, no. The, it's a funny movie, but it's only a funny movie in spite of its story. Like, if you look at that script, that script can be... This is why I'm going to say, like, Matt Damon's not actually bad in it. I just think he's not a very good actor. And I think they needed him but to he punch does, something. And he but he does, it. like, he, the lines that he says could have been, can be said in a way that's everything that you look at mostly in this film, except for maybe, like, David Harbour's, like, apologizing, is not funny, really. It's, it's all pretty, could be told in a really droll, dry drama way. But the everyone, except, you know, except for the previous mentioned people, punch it up as a comedy and punch up the pulp mm-hmm. and I think from a I think kind of then maybe I don't know if Soderbergh just kind of leaned into that or maybe that's Soderbergh's attention mm-hmm. um, 
Because it's definitely Soderbergh's not taking it seriously either. Like his, I guess his decision so. to frame it with that like weird fisheye lens to me suggests. That but yeah, he's... so I had, and I I think this. Is, I want you to finish your point because I think this is like another question about like the modern Soderbergh era. Is that my thinking is what is his intent here instead of I just want to watch this movie because he for the last bunch of movies he's just been experimenting with stuff and is this a regular movie? I well, like the way it's shot just. Is it is, is the shooting of it like with the fish eye and stuff like that a choice? I assume but it was is it... shot in that way to give it like that kind of sixties on television feel and make it just to extenuate that kind of like pulpiness. Not to the level of like a get smart sort right. of TV show, but to show that like everything's amped up. Mm-hmm. Everything's on the eleventh degree, even though it might be a serious story, um has written in its presentation, it's not going to be. It's not going to be serious, right? But I also think that, like, if you're going to amp everything up to the eleventh degree, I think stuff like Benicio del Toro's performance, which is very Benicio del Toro and thus fine, is really sucks the life out of some of these scenes mm-hmm. where, like, they cut to him and he's just like a, a husk of a person curled up in a corner drinking something and like muttering to himself and i think in one way again it's okay in another way like the like the energy in these scenes seems to ebb and flow sometimes depending on where the camera is but i think but i also found that funny because it's a it's so caricature like everything in this outside of like don Cheadle, who's your straight man but that's so but that's the thing i don't know there's Um, people that are doing a character caricature and there's people that aren't doing a caricature and the movie seems to regard them well, so, both the same. So who's not doing like? I don't think Don Cheadle's doing a character. No, I think I, I, which I think is fair because I think Don Cheadle's your straight man, right? But does Don Cheadle's whole narrative arc is he? Um, but like John Ham, like John is Hamm, John Ham. John Ham. He's such like a fucking goof, like a goober at the end. Yeah, but by the end but of it, he's just, such but, like a straight. But at the, the end of the movie, but like. No, well, that's, that's, no a, that's a payoff, though. That's like I a guess pay- so, but it's not earned, I don't think, by anything else that he's doing because it really seems for like a second that he's trying to solve something. Yeah. And I think Noah Jupe is awful, but I don't think it's his fault. I think it's because the script is just like, you're going to keep doing this... You're going to keep doing this da- son protecting, oh, yeah. protecting the family shtick through the whole fucking movie. And it's just like, why is he doing that? Have him stop doing that. Just don't cast Noah Jupe... We don't care what he does or is doesn't do or anything. But every scene he's in, he has to say something. And I'm just want to be like, why is he saying anything? Nobody cares. Is he going to be a part of this? Is he going to die? The whole movie, I was just like, are they going to kill this kid? Because if he if they're not going to kill him, why is he talking? Ever. Well, that's a script problem. Like right. But I also think Soderbergh's got to know... When he does stuff like this, that he's giving attention to, he's he's. I mean, you gotta figure Soderbergh fucking pump this out in a few weeks. Sure, but I think, I, I think, but I think to that end, he keeps he kept splitting my attention between and confusing me between what was what mattered and what didn't matter, what was a joke and what wasn't a joke, what was um, like an homage to a certain kind of cinema, and what was like. Him maybe trying to do something with the camera? I don't know, because some of those panning fisheye shots were really fucking weird. Yeah. And I and like I didn't know what like it's so it seemed like such a choice that I should be getting something out of it, and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be getting out of it because I was like, why don't they just do this with a regular lens? 
because then it wouldn't look so bizarre, <laughs> bizarre when he just like pans the camera across like um you know down a street or something or in a car um i don't know it just seemed it seemed like there was a lot going on and it didn't all work and because it didn't all work my which i kind of said in the beginning of the, of the episode my attention just really wavered like a lot and it but it also seemed to waver when like the energy in the movie seemed to waver which was usually when don Cheadle wasn't on screen well it's interesting like the production of this is is, is interesting to read like of people coming in and out of it because mm-hmm. like originally josh brolin was supposed to be that john ham character which i think hmm. would have been a lot more fun <laughs> Yeah, I think I he mean, would have done something if, with it. He would have done, like, an inherent vice thing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he would have brought an intensity to it. So when he's sitting there, wait, when he's sitting in the car, waiting for, you know, somebody to come out of the house or, like, watching them drive by, he instead of looking kind of, like, bemused, he might look like a feeling. And when he gets out of the car to question this Noah Jupe, he might, like, bring an intensity to it instead of just kind of, like... I'm a police officer, and tell me some information. And yeah. when you tell it to me, I'm going to be like, huh? And I think originally, possibly Clooney was going to be the Damon role. That would have been better. That would have been better, yeah. And Sebastian Stan was going to be something. Looking at it, Sebastian Stan possibly was either going to be Brendan Fraser or David Harbour's role. Well, no, I... it looks like he was going to be David Harbour's role. Oh, I'm glad David And John got Cena that. was going to be... It's just my guesstimation was going to be the Brendan Fraser role. That would have been awful. I would have liked Sebastian Stan as the Kieran Culkin role. Yeah, that would have been Especially good. based maybe, off maybe, of... I mean, maybe it yeah. might have been that, too. But yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was weird. But I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought, I thought everyone was doing, doing stuff. I just thought all the stuff didn't, didn't work like it should have worked. No, I agree. It's... But again, because you're more into that, I think that type of movie, you um, looked at it one way, and because I'm not, I looked at it the well, other way. I'm just able to like look at the fact that they're trying to have fun with it. They're trying that overall, it seems like something that's not really trying to do much. Like it, it feels like Soderbergh's not trying to make a statement. Not, he's not putting a lot into it, mm-hmm. and it worked in that way. Like, it worked in kind of a way of just, like, a good streaming movie. You watch it, you forget it. Well, you, you know, know what I... So, I was thinking about this the other night after I watched it. You know what movie I liked? And I think it's just because I like the director better. Um, I liked... Did you end up seeing Dark Water? The Mark Ruffalo no, thing? It's good. It's totally solid, like, 90s. And I just talked about, you know, this stuff. 90, you Dark Water? Todd Haynes. Oh, okay. And so there, there's these two guys that are in like that seem to swing back and forth now between like ex- experiment, like Wonderstruck, which was just awful, or like I'm not there, or you know. And now we're going back into Todd Todd Haynes is like just classic experimentalism thing. But now seem like they're going to swing back and forth between experimentalism and like traditional movie making, like Journeyman stuff, right? And I think. Todd Haynes does both things better than Steven Soderbergh does because he's like a little more focused. And so when Todd Haynes is like, I'm going to make this kind of political thriller, he just makes a, a well-made political thriller. Well, yeah, I think- and when Steven Soderbergh makes a, a noir crime film, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do some of this other stuff too. Well, the, 
the thing that separates somebody like Todd Haynes and Steven Soderbergh is I think Todd Haynes is okay with melting back back into a film and not having his signature over it. And Steven Soderbergh and likes Steven Soderbergh yes. needs to have a signature. Excellent. Very um, good. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, I don't want to use like a Darren Aronofsky example, just because that's the first thing that popped in my head because of the Brandon Fraser thing. Uh-huh. But like, when he does something like Noah, there's story beats that are Aronofsky, but it's not necessary. This is a terrible example. I don't know why I'm using it, but it's, it doesn't have like that blueprint. Um, don't know why I'm using Darren Aronofsky, but no, maybe I because it, a major name, a major name from the '90s and 2000s or whatever. Yeah, uh, that can make movies that don't necessarily have their blueprint. Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody because else he he can kind of swing between, you know, uh, like a minimalism like the wrestler and a maximalism like Noah, and yeah. you'll get two different results. And he has signature things that he does, and they look the same, and they feel they 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 have um, a certain underlying aesthetic that's the same, but they don't they they don't function the well, same. Yeah, way. And I guess I guess I guess maybe this will make a better example of like big picture auteurs of this era like if Todd Haynes and Steven Soderbergh are kind of like the more minor people who are going to do your streaming movies or your smaller features uh-huh. you know Darren Aronofsky can kind of melt into a film you don't necessarily know yeah, yeah. what it is David Fincher no matter what he's doing is always mm. David Finchering something yeah and I think um, I even think you can kind of Scorsese, I feel like, becomes an interesting figure in this discussion because he's kind of swung in that direction too a little bit, where he's making like just really difficult like art house movies, and their silence and and the Irishman are different for like two different reasons, um, but they're both just insane. But it'll also make like Departed and Flowers, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, and stuff that's just very or, like or reg. Regimented. Here's, a good, here's a really good example of, of the Oscar winners of recent years. Irnutu can blend in. Mm. And, like, even Roma, like, is, you know, a, he won director for that. It's well, that's still um, necessarily. That's Quaron. Is that Quaron? Yeah. I'm thinking, what am I. Okay, no, I'm thinking of. I will use Quaron then. Quaron, like, doesn't necessarily need to always have his signature. Del Toro does. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, every every Del Toro movie is a Del Toro movie. Alfonso Cuarón, there are his movies, but he's doing whatever the story tells him to yeah. do. He's not pushing it. In, in yeah, a, Todd Alfonso Cuarón direction. I mean, I think I prefer I prefer the fact that someone like Steven Soderbergh made this over a Todd Haynes because I think Todd Haynes might have just made it as the script was written. I also don't think Todd Haynes would have agreed to make this movie, but he wouldn't. I mean, he wouldn't. Have done. Yeah, but. You know, somebody who's just going to do the story has told it isn't what this movie needed. No, but I, I think, I mean, I kept thinking, again, because, in, you know, I think we've belabored this point a little bit, but I kept thinking the whole time when I was watching this, I was like, why did he make this movie? And, like, the idea of, and that's where I got to the Dark Water point, because, like, there's, like, a some kind of, there's like a true story embedded in this, and Dark Water is a true story, and blah, 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 blah. I think this matched up with, like, the laundromat in the sense that, like, it said something about, like, America while also being, like, this very, you know, uh, period piece noir heist I mean, film. The stuff it tried to say about America is so... But why bother to say anything about America? Why not? I, another thing I kept thinking is, like, the Coen brothers would have loved to make this movie. They did make this movie. It's called Burn After Reading. But, like, a noir 50s movie about, like, the development of catalytic converters, like, that's the Coen brothers live for this stuff. 
And Steven Soderbergh doesn't necessarily. Because when he's even when he's being tongue in cheek and even when he's being funny, he he's still like Soderberging, yeah, like on stuff. It's like, no, nah, I don't. I just don't want you to do that. Like, I, I, I have a, I have a lot of trouble with like the scene with Don Cheadle and that woman and her husband. I guess, like when he goes to pick up his suitcase mm, at her right. at her house. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's her dad or her like new husband. I assumed her new husband. That's what I thought too. Which is just like a serious fucking, uh, a serious thing, and then. You know, and it's it's paced really good, and you get good emotions, and the dialogue is doing a lot of work, and then you get to like Ray Liotta and Benicio del Toro, and it's just kind of like this really flaccid, like elongated conversation about nothing, and like they both seem to know something but don't know something, and like Benicio del Toro is in the house for too long while Ray Liotta like moves to one side of the room, and then like moves back to another side of the room. I'm just like, how are these in the same movie? Yeah. Like, one punches, and the other one's just kind of like, hello, we're two famous actors doing things. Isn't that fun? And it's like, no, it's not fun. I wish it was fun. I yeah. wish to God it was fun. No, that's... that's, that's Ray Liotta yelling at Adam Driver about how marriage fucking stinks is awesome. Like, this is just kind of like, meh. I assume Ray Liotta should have killed somebody. We didn't kill anybody. He just ran away, and got and and his wife killed him. But we didn't even get to see it. I think Julia Fox had the biggest body count in this movie. Good for her. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Somebody should write an essay about that. <laughs> Julia Fox killing everybody. Yeah, All right, it's fine though. It's fine. We did. <laughs> we did good. It took us a half hour to get to. It's fine. No. That's why we're us. And other podcasts just fail. Would like be like, oh, but why is it fine? And we're we're like, gonna yeah. we're gonna mix in we're gonna mix in some list making here to get to a half hour. It's like no. Speaking of no fine. fucking way. <laughs> oh yeah. You know else is yeah you know fine, but different. It's but different, different kind of fine. Yeah yeah. Well, it is the Disney Plus smash hit film that isn't Corilla no. or Jungle Cruise. Which looks like the ride, which looks like a Disney park, like well, absolutely, like watching like an uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, I know he's not the villain, but I keep assuming Bobby Cavanaugh's the villain in that. No, it's, I think it's Jesse Plemons. Is it? I think because remember he pops. Up, did you see the trailer? No, I don't. So watch in the one trailer. of the in the trailer, oh, we saw it at Black Widow. In the trailer, um, he like pops out of like a submarine. He's like, hello, and it's like, oh, cool. Jesse Plemons is going for it in Disney's Jungle Cruise. <laughs> That'll be good. Bobby Cavanaugh should have been the villain. Though. That's a movie that I will give you thirty full dollars for, no, because I know you don't want to see it at all. But I'm also not taking my family to the movies to see that. They want to see it. Oh God, yeah. Why? Because I love Jumanji, and it looks just like Jumanji. That's why I think Bobby Cavanaugh's the villain. Well, Bobby were... Cavanaugh's the villain in in the first yeah, Jumanji. Jumanji. Yeah. You know, my my kids are the best because they were really sad that Emily Blunt was in it and not Karen Gillan. Mm. They were really like bummed out. They're like, we just want her to be in the movie, and I was like, yes, take that, <laughs> Emily Krasinski Blunt. Blunt. <laughs> yeah, you guys are not a machine yet. <laughs> Speaking of machine, the Marvel machine, as the rest of this episode will go, Black Widow. (laughs) 
knew you were. We have to go back to where it all started. Where did you think I was all this time? We have unfinished business. My girls are the toughest girls in the world. I'm sorry. We had our orders and we played our roles. It wasn't real. It was real to me. To me? You were everything. One thing's for sure. I'm done running from my past. So way back in 2016, uh, there was a, a thing that happened called the the Marvel Civil War, where was that when that movie came out? Well, yeah, um, which seems like it. I actually feel like it was supposed to be forever ago, but it wasn't. It was 2016 or 15. Maybe this. Maybe it was 15, and this one takes place in 16. I don't know. Um, regardless. Uh, there were some questions. Yeah, 2016. There were some. There were some questions around signing the Sokovia Accords, and there was also a question around Bucky Barnes. And Captain America didn't want to sign the Sokovia Accords, but he also wanted to keep his friend Bucky Barnes free from the authorities uh, for killing uh, T'Chaka and blowing up the the UN building. It was at the UN, whatever. Um, some kind of intercontinental international institution of whatever blah blah blah, blah. that movie stinks um I'm saying it I, I want to say that really quickly what Civil War is like one of the worst Civil Marvel War is movie. one of the ones that feels the most like a Marvel movie I, th- I think and, it and it's and it's like when they talk about Marvel movies I think they're talking about Civil War but I think it's like the second worst Marvel movie that's interesting I, I think it's fun while also acknowledging like it's literally accomplishing nothing except for choosing sides for this airport fight, which is only funny because Spider-Man and Ant-Man are in it. Well, I'm a psychopath, and I think the worst part of the Marvel movies are the action scenes. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, post the events of the Civil War, half of the Avengers are fine because they're on the right side of the, of this, the contest. That's the Iron Man side. And then the other side... Uh, Captain America, Black Widow, uh, Hawkeye, Falcon, they're, they're in, they're in trouble. And, oh yeah, Ant-Man, right, I forgot he was in the raft, um, at the end, that must have been terrifying for him, because he's just a regular person, um, (laughs) they're, they're in trouble, uh, they're, they're on, they're on the, imprisoned on the raft, and, 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 Steve Rogers is on the run. 
Someone else is on the run, Mario. Natasha Romanoff. Black Natasha. Widow. Natasha. She uh, flees. She goes to Norway to live in a trailer. Um, until she gets a package from somebody. that She doesn't even know what's in her car. And then fucking Taskmaster shows up and wants the package. And now she's got the package. A clearly six foot two Taskmaster. Taskmaster, who everyone, I, I don't know. I don't, we'll talk about it. Um, Natasha finds out that it's got sent to her from her sister, Elena Belova, played by Florence Pugh, uh, who got D. All of her training in the Red Room got, gets undone with a blast of gas in her face. And now she sees, she sees the forest for the trees and she realizes what uh, she's done wrong and all of her, what's wrong with her life. And then her sister comes and. It's like, what the hell? And then they have a fight. And there's a great moment where um, <laughs> where Yelena just like chucks Natasha into a door frame. And they show her just like hitting the door frame and just like flying off. And my kids in the theater are just like, whoa. Like that was, that was a rough one. Um, but they, they concoct this idea. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna take down the Red Room. And, and what's that guy's name? Drykoff? Yeah. Dra- Drakeoff, Drake played Winstone. by Ray Winstone, just doing Not sexy enough. beast stuff with a slight Russian accent. <laughs> Very slight, just, just, just there, a little bit, just hanging out. Um, the red room is in the sky. They need some help to it's find like a, out where the it's red like a Final Fantasy. It, was, it looks pretty good at the end there. A little, little, didn't yeah. it remind you? I was like, I was looking at this going, like, is this a JRPG all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, it looked like a Xeno Saga thing. Yeah. Um, they need some help to find the red room, so they go break their dad out of prison, who we learned at the beginning of the movie is not really their dad. He's a Russian operative known as Red Guardian, and he was sent to America to do something with a family to keep up appearances. Um and the, the, the wife of that family, and I'm using air quotes here, Melina, played by Rachel Weiss, um, is, uh, is one of these, is, is working for Drykoff, and she designs the, like the Black Widow training program, the Widow's training program. And I, when, I, when I was watching this, I was remembering watching Widows. I think roughly, this, I think the exact same theater I saw this in, I saw Widows. I saw Widows in. Every time they saw said widows, I was like, "Oh, I wish Elizabeth Debicki would just show up." I didn't here. realize David Harbour is married to Lily Allen. Yeah, huh. pretty good. Good David Harbour. That seems like a fun house. Fun house. Yeah. yeah. Um, David Harbour plays Red Guardian. He's really great. They they go to the Red Room, which is in the sky, and then uh, there's uh, a lot of just kind of exposition and. Um, Black Widow does this thing that I hate when she makes someone... I hate in movies when people try to, like, egg people into punching them in the face. Um, I hate that. I just hate when people, like, try to get people to fight them. And it's, like, for a reason. Like, just smash your face into a table. Like, I don't... Like, she told you getting it punched isn't going to work. So just smash your face into a table and punch him. Like, he's not going to see it coming. I guarantee you, he's not expecting you to walk into a room, Yorgos Lathamos yourself on a fucking desk, and then kill him. But you should just do, you should just do that. Um, especially if you're going to do a flashback that says to do that. Doesn't matter. She gets away. Everybody gets away but Drakov. Everybody gets away. Well, that one, that one Black Widow kills herself. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and the other one who gets like her stomach that that one woman who developed the the potion who gets like her, her oh, intestines yeah, 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 yeah. cut out. Right. But then there's no blood whatsoever. That's, I love Marvel movies. Um, it was just black. It looked like sweat. It was very sweaty. Blade's going to be R, right? They they're not going to try to do a PG thirteen Blade, are they? I'm surprised they're remi- who's who is Blade? Um, Hershali. Oh, probably R. I just hope Stephen Dorff isn't it. Um, <laughs> look, Stephen Dorff. Um, and then and then the movie ends, and then uh, uh, Black Widow has her vest, which she will wear um, in. Infinity War, which you know, with the burning question when you were watching Infinity War is like, where does she get this vest? And they answer. Why is it. her hair color different? Right. Um, and they answer it, and then the movie is over, and then there's um, just the Julie Louis Dreyfus in the MCU thing is gonna drive me crazy. I'm happy for her because you Julie Louis Dreyfus clearly needs more money. She I, does, <laughs> she doesn't make enough money I mean, from I didn't Seinfeld watch syndication. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but that character stinks. I hate that character. She's so just much. fucking Julia Louis Dreyfus doing what she does in Marvel. Yeah. Come on, um, doesn't matter. Uh, what do you want to say about this movie? It's fine. It's it fun. is what it is. It's, it's two separate movies. One movie is really good. All the interactions between. The four leads mm-hmm. are a lot of fun. Yep. I enjoy watching Florence Pugh, old woman, stretch herself down to do the superhero pose. Oh, I want to talk Which about... It feels we'll like go, a we'll super ad lib when she does yeah, that. Yeah. And she makes that sound. And the banter between her. And I, I actually feel, you know, you said that you said this on text, but I feel Scarlett Johansson hasn't been the best part of these movies. Nope. But... I've thought about that, but yeah. She... She rises to the occasion when Florence Pugh, David Harbour, and Rachel Wise are having fun with it. Well, I think and like the weird Rachel Wise, David Harbour, like sex stuff throughout it is great. The opening so scene good. of this is awesome. Really good. That is one of the best actions. This entire movie needed to be that. If they're gonna do action, do fucking that. Yeah. Get Christopher McQuarrie to direct your action. Yeah. Stuff. Why didn't like, they do that? I'm I'm happy. Like because uh, like, I watched the Red Letter Media review before this, much I shouldn't have, but. The Kate Shortland stuff feels like she's like focusing in on the dialogue stuff. I mm-hmm. feel like she nailed that. But like, yeah, the little stuff she got perfect. I don't like looking at her like filmography. I don't think she's an action person, so I don't know if she was really involved in that because all the action in this movie is fucking terrible and awful, boring, lame. It doesn't fit the tone of this fun movie I'm watching. No, the only good action scene is the very end when and the Task... Begin, and the, the beginning. Yeah, but I don't even think of that as an action thing. It's just kind of like... I just think of that as, as like an espionage drama thing. And it's I thought really that, good. this was going to be like the entire I movie. I think so too. It was like these small little things and I remembered like... As I was watching, I remember the trailer going, oh, right, they're going to do fucking Marvel shit. Well, my whole thing was... My whole thing was some of that stuff that you're talking about and I go, you know, we'll get into some of the specifics, I guess. Um... This isn't a COVID movie. And you and me have talked about, and we might have even talked about it on the air. Oh, we talked about the Loki scene at Pompeii and how they just kind of have a painted backdrop and like a small set. There's Which is weird given everything else in that show. We'll exactly. talk about it later. But I'm using, I thought about that scene a lot when I was watching this because there was like a whole, I don't know, is it 20 minutes? Is it 10 minutes? When they're at like that um, 
cafe and they're sitting at those tables at like you know whatever the gas station the gas whatever. station thing it's like where why, why are we here like, I thought it was fine I thought it was, I, fine, no, it, was it was it was fine from like a dyna- like a family dynamic standpoint um, in building those characters but I thought it, it was just odd that they were just like you know what we're gonna just keep them here at this table here for 10 minutes well it's jarring in the sense that like I don't know how they got there from the action scene right well that's what I'm that's exactly what I'm saying it feels like Kate Shortland didn't realize the action scenes happened and I think for all the faults it's like they told her like hey we're gonna do a small little like like a small little small little movie yeah you know small little Black Widow movie there's not a lot of action scenes like the one I mean I think the the prison escape scene kind of like works until Carl Johansson swoops into Pick up yeah, Red Guardian. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. But, like, um, that's a couple minutes and then it gets out of there. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, like, a lot, all the action in this feels so, and then the last fucking act, which is awful, feels so just disjointed from, like, the first two acts. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's a lot of fun. And then the action happens and it's like, oh, get me out of here. Get me out of the action scenes. Right. Get me together with these people again. Yeah. It's really when this movie pops is when there's at least... When when Florence Pugh is together with somebody, it really it really works. Um, and or, even before, like in that opening scene, when it's like the dynamic between Rachel Wise and David Harbour, it right. works. You need that... You need the two-person family drama to kind of... To kind of do something here, and but it, and it's great if you can get it in context. And like, why isn't that like that's a problem? The action scenes aren't interrupted by that. Like, I know like a lot of people have the issues with Marvel like having quippiness and humor during its action, but it's like why not? Like, this is the movie that demands that. Like, if those action scenes were punctuated by that, or make the Mission Impossible movies, yeah, like um, do one or the other. Yeah, uh, I mean, but Mission Impossible also feels smaller in a lot of ways. While simultaneously feeling, like, bigger, though. Well, they feel bigger because... They, they seem more, more real. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I, but, I mean, all that, all that is true, and I still thought it was a pretty good time. Yeah, I think it's a fun time. Like, I hate, hate the last act. Well, because it's just, it's too much Scarlet and Ray Winstone yeah, talking. Yeah, Ray Winstone's not. No, he's not good. It's too. And then and when, I say that as a person who loves Ray Winstone. Right, I, I would 100% argue agree Ray with Winstone's you. like possibly one of the top three parts of The Departed. I almost had several Ray Winstone movies on my list because of Ray Winstone. Well, he he's definitely like a big part of like why the proposition was on my list. Why Sexy Beast was almost on my list. Like Ben Kingsley, yes, Nick Cave's score, like sure. Um, but Ray Winstone just kind of like holding those movies together with just like sheer force of will. Um, I mean, which is not to say that they're like bad movies. Jonathan Glazer and John Hillcoat are like good directors. They like, you know, this, an aesthetic and they have a specific vision. But Ray Winstone adds some kind of like adultness to them, like a, like a real heaviness, a reality to them that I don't think they would have the if they had another the guy. Right. I don't know what he's doing in this movie. No fucking idea what he's doing, and I'm not 100% sure why they decided, like, let's, let's give him 20 minutes of the last half hour of this movie to just kind of, like, look at screens and say weird stuff to people and, like, you know. You know what the world's, you know, girls, 
the the commodity the com- that the world has too many. I'm like, what? No, what, what the fuck does that mean? mean? That's not what. what? <laughs> and that's and but I think it's a lack of focus. I think one of the things that some of these Marvel movies and maybe this is going to be the last. No, it's not going to be the last one. That's not true because we'll talk about some of that other stuff later. Um, there's a lack of focus with some of this stuff. So simultaneously, they're saying like, "Hey, Elena, you have a task. Your task is to find all the rest of the widows, redo this potion, or gas. Not a magic potion. It's a gas. And uh, and and d, you know, whatever. All the all the rest of the widows. And also, you have to kill Clint Barton. Yeah, and also. Also, you have to be the villain of the Hawkeye show. So, like, what are we... Which I can only assume that's what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, like, we're not going to put that in, in the films, right? Like What? We're, like, her with Hawkeye stuff. I figure that's, oh. that's for the show. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, oh, it's 100% for the show. But she was... She was everyone knew she was going to be in the show because she's part of the cast. Oh, is she? Yeah. I don't... So it was on man. the... Well, that's but so I mean, what they're doing, and this, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to say much more about Black Widow. It's fine. What they're doing with these, with it seems like with all of this 2021 stuff that would have been 2020, 2021 stuff, is they're setting up the rest of the universe. So one of the things that they're doing is they're going to get rid of Hawkeye. So now Natasha's all the way gone, Iron Man's gone, Captain America's gone. Um, who knows where Hulk is? going you know maybe nowhere i don't think there's any hulk plans in anything hemsworth has well, t- what uh, she hulk is, is coming she hulk right but i don't th- he's gonna be like in it but not like in it um i mean you could do mark follow forever sure and i think that's the inten- i think that's like the intention is to have him show up and just sandwich. do some stuff um hemsworth's got two movies left um, and of, of those original avengers like i'm gonna be honest, like mark ruffalo is my favorite part of it mm-hmm. um because he's so like mendable like you, you can kind of he's just like you want me to do what okay right i don't i'm not i i will be a completely different character from the last movie whatever you need whatever you, you need to do that um but they're setting up like you know we talked about this a little bit of, like on text they're setting up the uh, like another avenger so you could say that this is the west coast avenger so you have kate you have yelena as black widow you have kate uh bishop as hawkeye white visions hanging out there um, you have um, Isaiah Bradley's grandson um, from Falcon and Winter Soldier is a young event is a, is a Avenger. Um, they're just setting up this side universe. And see, the problem is you're saying this, and all I'm hearing is Peanuts adult voice because like wah, I wah, don't wah, wah. yeah fucking care. Yeah, so you don't care about Avengers. And like, there's a 200. 200- I mean, I like the big stuff. No, but I'm saying like, you don't care about like the new Avengers. You yeah. don't care about the Thunderbolts. And I'm like, this is not a criticism. I'm just saying, like, no. you know, from what we talked about, um, because I don't really care about either of those things either. Um, I care about like the multiverse stuff because, like, I, I look at that and go, like, oh, that's probably the big thing. That's clearly the big thing, right? And that's kind of what I want to see. Is I want to see what they do with this. I think this Spider-Man idea is going to be really funny and interesting. And Tom Holland is Tom Holland is out. He's got maybe one more movie after this, and then they're transitioning to Miles Morales, like Spider-Man, and that might happen in four, like Spider-Man Four, but like, like the cartoon version. No, oh, that would be awesome though. If like cartoons and regular people like merge, can do it. Do it. It's a multiverse. Um, but they're doing that stuff. I mean, Mark Buffalo is just like, yeah, you're gonna interact with the cartoon, dude. I am That's a cartoon. Fine. That's fine. Dude. I did. The kids are all right. I'm used to this. <laughs> no, the kids are all right. It's great. 
Um, this is what it is now. <laughs> Tom Holland. That's probably bad news for Tom Holland, who figured like he was gonna ride this horse for like twenty five years. Well, his attempts at making they're just they're just like his they're like at yeah. making other movies have not been great. I don't know if you know this, but Jake Johnson like asks for a lot less money, and we're just gonna pretend he is you. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's funny. Selecting a bagel. Um, one of the classic lines but it's, it's, in film it's a bummer. Like, looking at this and realizing, like, what's this, a $200 million movie, probably? Sure. And it's a setup for a TV show. That's, ultimately, that's I, ultimately, I said the same thing to my wife. It's just as boring as I can only assume Falcon and the Winter Soldier was. Well... Because I didn't watch that because Falcon and the Winter Soldier is boring. It was not very good. Um, you can blame that a lot. entire, like... I like Anthony Mackie. Sebastian Stan's fine, I guess. Yeah. But, like, I don't give a shit about those characters. There's a lot of things... Captain America, I don't give a shit yeah, about Yeah, I mean either. either. And there's a lot of things wrong with Falcon Winter Soldier that have nothing to do with Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan. That was have, has everything to do with COVID and uh, music. The problem with all this stuff is just, like, all the Captain America stuff and Winter Soldier and all that, like, they're just people. And if I wanted to watch that... I'm going to watch the Mission Impossible movies mm. because they're better. Well, so they have they're they're banking on you wanting to watch a Captain America movie or you needing to watch Captain America show, um, and that's I think the problem with the Falcon Winter Soldier show is that, and I think the problem like the slight problem with, um, WandaVision is to what your point is that they're made to do one thing. They needed to get Wanda into into like being the Scarlet Witch, whatever that means, and then into this multiverse thing. She's well, yeah, she's gonna still be a movie figure because well, she's gonna be in Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange, and she was like, she's a major part in Doctor Strange. She's probably gonna be in Spider Man. I figure she's a big part of this universe going right. forward and all that. Stuff. Because and it's because they um they've kind of pitched this. They've tilted a lot of the um, comic books that way. Also, they're they're doing this right, in, like with the comic books and stuff like that. Where like Wanda is going to be, and I think Wanda is where the X Men thing comes in, where the Wanda Magneto's daughter thing, like kind of crosses over. Finally, they kind of teased it with casting Evan Peters as Quicksilver, um, as you know, replacing Aaron Taylor Johnson in. Um, in, in WandaVision but I think WandaVision had one job and it was to get Wanda from point A to point B Falcon and Winter Soldier had one job it had to get Sam to be Captain America which I thought was a really weird thing because at the very beginning of the show Sam can be Captain America and then he decides not to be Captain America and then six episodes later he's Captain America so yeah, that's everything I hear about that show sounds like it was just pointless well it's hard so they're well, I guess it's just it's meant to introduce Thunderbolts or whatever they kind because... of right they kind of remade it like most of it too during COVID because apparently the main story arc was that the Flag Smashers were going to introduce a virus into society so they cut that whole shit out oh. and they refilmed a whole bunch of stuff so then the Flag Smashers were just going to bomb things it just felt like they're just trying to introduce US agent or whatever his name well, is. Well, I guess they were kind of... Wyatt Russell but, in these movies. But Mario, my point, I guess, is... And I think it's the point that you're making, too, is that who cares about U.S. Asian? Who fucking cares? If you, if you never, If you never did U.S. Asian ever again, then, like, nobody would be sad. 
at all. If U.S. Agent was literally just in this one series and then got decommissioned, like, you know, by the government for being a crazy person, everyone would be like, fine, good. But then they, like, make a point of having... If we stop pretending Emily Van Camp is going to be anything. This, yeah, um, they make a point of doing, of showing her doing that thing, like with the power broker junk. They make a point of bringing Julie Reed Dreyfus into this to be this kind of Thunderbolts like purveyor. It's the same thing with the, the Zemo character. They break Zemo out of prison just to get one piece of information. They carry him around for a while, and then it's like, oh, uh, you know, here you go. And Daniel Brühl's like, you guys seen Rush? was pretty good in that. Remember that Ron Howard well, race this, my problem, movie My I problem with, like... I mean, I, I haven't watched it, but just from, like, hearing about the Thunderbolts and all that, it's just like, I, I kind of figure DC's gonna do this shit better. Like, do... this... ragtag group of underlings better. But Like, looking at the Julius Dreyfus character, I'm just like, I'd just rather watch Viola Davis do this. Right. And I guess the question is... And this is like the D- now officially. This is like the DC Marvel difference is that Marvel has decided they're going to explain all of this, the complete fracture of their universe, which up until this point has been very like you know a bunch of different solo movies, a bunch of Avengers movies, but has been very narrow, pointing to one thing. This is this has become very fractured now, and I think what's interesting about the Black Widow movie from that perspective is that it doesn't touch the fracture at all. It's a very standalone, like, in and of itself movie. And I I think I enjoyed the idea of that, too. That, like, this has no stakes. Yeah. I don't... I don't care. None of this matters to me. Like, in the... In the I don't have to know anything about anything else. Except, I don't even really have to know what happens in Civil War. This is supposed to be an espionage movie, like a spy movie. For a, a periods, it feels like it can be. And then for other periods, it feels like it's a superhero movie. And all that stuff seems like it's okay. But then they gerrymander, like, a link to this larger MCU. And now today, we're recording this on Wednesday, July 14th. They've exploded the MCU effectively. Yeah. They did it effectively. But to what end, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Before we get into that, the one last thing I want to say about Black Widow is... With how much of a nothing burger it was from, like, a cultural standpoint. Like, people kind of watched it and was like, this is too late and whatever. It kind of makes me wonder, like, what Shang-Chi's going to do. It's going to be huge. From a bo- he thinks, like, from huge. from an Asian box office standpoint. But, like, nothing about that movie suggesting to me that doing anything in the world. I think there's a very good comparison to make between that and the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Where they were just like, we're going to make this weird thing that nobody's ever heard of. And then tie it in somehow. And then we're tied in somehow. But at that point, they made the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. They weren't necessarily concerned about tying stuff together, okay. really. I mean, they had the Infinity Stone part in it. But Infinity, is that before Thor Dark World? I think the Infinity Stones had been in like one, like, or is that after Avengers? The first Guardians of the Galaxy? Or is that before yeah, it's, the it's Avengers? After. The first after Guardians of the Galaxy is 2014. Okay, so there's like... There's like they've started to kind of build the Infinity Stone thing. Yeah. At this point, it's the second stone, no third stone introduced. Right. There's the Mind Stone and the Soul Stone or whatever, and the um, Power Stone. Yeah. No whatever. Power Stones in what's the the They're, Energy Stone the, the blue one. I don't know. Tesseract. Tesseract. Yeah. The Space Stone. <laughs> um. 
but nobody knew who these people were. Nobody knew how this was going to work. Chris Pratt being uh, a leading man seemed like the fucking dumbest thing in the whole world. Bradley, Bradley Cooper, Cooper was the voice of a raccoon. And Vin Diesel. Who's a tree. Yeah. Uh, it seems like at that point Zoe Saldana is just kind of jumping from like colored human to colored human. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever. Like this is their movie. This is what it is. Nobody knows who these people are. Ronan? Who the fuck is Ronan? Oh, Nova's going to be in this movie. Nope, it's just John C. Riley dressed in a Nova costume. It's the Nova Corp. And Glenn Close is hanging around, too. So and nobody, it's directed by a trauma guy. Right. Nobody knows what this fucking movie is. Nobody has any kind of idea, and it's fucking gigantic. I think, I think the same thing is going to happen to Shang-Chi, where people are just going to be like, what is this? It's a Marvel. It's. I think people want to interact with Marvel movies the same way they used to interact with Marvel movies, which is going to Ant Man movies and saying, "What the fuck?" And Ant Man making still four hundred million dollars in America. Like I think it's, it's what's going to happen. It's not going to make a billion. It's going to make four hundred million dollars, and it's going to be. It's going to make. It's going to make the same money if the Delta. If people would get fucking vaccinated and the Delta variant doesn't ruin everything that's happening. Um, I think it would make the same money as Black Widow. It might make reverse. It might make sixty million in theaters and eighty million on Disney Plus. Yeah. But it's gonna make its money. Eternals seems like, especially after what happened today, Mario. Eternals seems like it's it is like required viewing. Well, yeah, the next three after those movies are like the required viewing. Even though nobody knows what Eternals is either, but now we know that why they're showing yeah. up because of Loki. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract, breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. really believe in this Loki variant? Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. Mike! It is adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm ten steps ahead of you. You're not big on trust, are you? You can trust me. Loki, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? All right, so Loki happened. We've watched. Oh shit! <laughs> I thought you were saying you actually wanted to take a real break. No, no, no. Did you want to take a break? No, no. no. Okay. Um, we watched all six episodes. We're not going to go crazy here, like reviewing like every one and like doing Easter egg shit and like stuff. But it ties, I think, to the Black Widow thing, where uh, last you know two weeks ago, last week or whenever this came out, whenever Black Widow came out, uh, the MCU was one thing and it was hedging towards another thing. And now, officially, the MCU has become something totally different. And I think from a Shang-Chi perspective, to tie it into the last portion of our conversation, I have no idea how Shang-Chi plays into the multiverse. 
does it play into the multiverse? Do the Ten Rings have anything to do with the multiverse? Does Tim Roth coming back as Abomination in Shang Chi is he going to be? Have in any, it? Think, yeah, I think it's just I think it's just going to be a CGI. He said he's in it. Oh, is he okay? <laughs> Good for him. I, yeah, but I don't know. How does that work? Yeah, Edward Norton back. I hope we get Edward Norton. No, he said he doesn't want to come back. Throw him a hundred million bucks. Multiverse two holes. Demand a, like we'll get we'll, motherless Brooklyn two and three. Wink, wink. Yeah, motherless Brooklyn went the same exact way as no sudden moves. You know what? Here's a movie about a detective with Tourette's. We're gonna make it about something because that's what everybody wants. Um, but Loki. So Jonathan Major shows up. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Jonathan Major shows up as he who remains. He who remains. Who is just a kind of uh, uh, a version of Kang, um, and he kind of explains what the fuck is happening, um, and which is to say that he, from the thirty first century, has uh, started the TVA as a way to control um, a, a multiverse problem, where the universes, the different universes, were constantly at war with each other, and he has found a way to solve it, and the, he has designed this kind of gauntlet it almost seems like for the for loki to um end up there and to take over the 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 tva in a way and um the time variance agency doesn't work out like that um so now uh google and bother raws ravona raven uh renslayer is out free somewhere in time loki is now in a different timeline than when he was in the uh, timeline, we can only assume where Kang where is in control. Kang is a is is a conqueror yeah. um, of some kind, and um, time is branching off like veins in space. And um, we already know we're getting two mul- multiverse, at least two multiverse movies uh, at the end of you know in December and in February. Um, what did you? We are getting. Three Marvel movies in like four months. September, November, December, February. Yeah. Jesus, that's too many. It's COVID. It's a. It's just the COVID thing. It'll it'll space itself out after that, I think. But and what if come? What if starts in a month from now? I'm, I'm good. I'm, no, but I'm saying like they're gonna just hammer you. Like and Hawkeye is supposed to be, I think, at the end of the year. Also good. So. Well, what? No. What I, did you I, think? I, what? I this is my favorite piece of Marvel that I've seen ever. Uh, yeah, I mean movies movie, and and well, TV MCU. MCU. I'll say this it's, mm-hmm. of the MCU, it's my favorite just because it reminds me of series five of Doctor Who. Mm. When Matt Smith took over um, as the Doctor from David Tennant. David mm-hmm. Tennant did a good job, mm-hmm. but it just has like it. You're going for. You know, four episodes to these different worlds each time, solving like a small little crisis. Each of these crises are doing their own thing. I had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish, and I thought, you know, it was Doctor Who with a, what, $200 million budget probably. Mm. Um, and then to have it actually, like I said, I started, uh, I said this on the podcast, but I started WandaVision, got through four episodes, and then I was just like, you know what? It's happening out. I like Catherine Hahn a lot in this, but like this is going nowhere, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this, I just ended up going like, "Oh, this actually feels like it's building to something," and it did. It built to Kang, who we can only assume is the Thanos of this 
second iteration of Marvel. Yeah. I mean, he has to be. I'd be a much more charismatic I would hope, I would hope, Thanos. I would hope Kang the Conqueror isn't killed in Quantum Mania, and they're like, peace out. No. no, no. Um, yeah. The thing that's a bummer to me is, is what you mentioned kind of while I was watching the last episode, is the fact that, like, Hiddleston's doing a lot of good work here. Uh, Sophia DiMartino's doing a lot of good work here. A lot of, every, like, Owen Wilson's best thing I've seen from him since, like, Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Um, everyone's doing a lot of good work here, and it's kind of a bummer that's, like, relegated to TV and that these people might be relegated to just being on TV well, except for Jonathan Majors. I because, forgot like, there's going to be another Thor movie. Maybe Loki. I, I, I haven't heard that he's showing up in that. Well, there's speculation that Loki's going to pop up in Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, no, I just, I feel as though the story runners with this, uh, who is this? I don't know, uh, Michael Waldron and um, Kate Heron, who directed all the episodes, like, had a really concise vision. Yes. And the action in it feels like it's in the same world as all the other stuff. Like, it's not big and bolsterous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest action you get is in the, the Lamentus scene with like the meteors falling and all that, but that still feels like contained enough. Well, it's not action for the sake of yeah. action. Yeah, exactly. Um, like all, it's all real small fight scenes and mostly, and it just felt like a cohesive, solid idea that didn't have nearly the amount of interruptions that Marvel typically does. What did you think of? I mean, I don't know how you stand on like any of the Thor movies. Um, what did you think of... I like Ragnarok. I like Ragnarok. I the other two are... I, I, think, think, I think Dark World's the worst movie. See, I actually think Dark World is better than Thor. I think Thor, the original I, Thor movie is awful. I just... Uh, my problem... So, my thing with... I think the original Thor movie is terrible, too. I think the original Thor movie is, like, the third... It's, like, of the bottom three, it would go Dark World, Civil War, Thor. Maybe... Yeah. So, Dark World's the worst. Just because... I don't know. It's, it kind of felt like you're just kind of like spinning your wheels so much, mm-hmm. whereas Thor is actually kind of moving something slightly forward. I guess so. I did. I thought Dark World at least looked like something and had like a oh, vision. I agree. I agree. I think Thor is hilariously terrible. Where they seem Are both like... those directed by Brana? No, World? I don't Dark think. Not I don't think Brana? so. Um, yeah, I just, I just kind of think Dark World just doesn't need to exist, and Thor did need to exist. Alan Taylor. Jesus. Um, But no, I think the original two Thor movies are the two of the worst. So, but what did you think of? Okay, so I guess that doesn't matter. Ultimately, what did you think of the development of like the Loki character? Because I think there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of pushback culturally with Loki turning from like, you know, this uh, backstabbing, you know, stereotype god of mischief, liar, whatever. Uh, schemer in the first movie and in Dark World and well, in there's some, like, Avengers and in, in Dark World, Ragnarok. There's some, in Dark World, there's some like attempts to make him a human. And then in, but he's by be- Ragnarok, he's like a good, kind of a good guy. A little bit-ish, even though he's still trying to do shit to people. For sure. and like, But then Infinity War, he's a good guy by Infinity War. Like he's he's a bad guy, but he's ultimately willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good by Infinity War. I think these movies have set, like, a pace that yeah. Loki's conflicted. Are and you... So I'm, 
fine. Also, right, because okay. like the show tell the M- I've I've said this in the Endgame review. I am one hundred percent on board with like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to tell me as long as it stays consistent with its vision. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to question it. I don't give a shit what the comic books have said. I don't give a shit about anything else. If you can cons- present me a consistent vision, I'm along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And this show did that. Mm. It it justified itself. I don't have to bring any other shit because I don't care. Yeah, and I'm there too, officially, which is I'm just sitting back and like letting the stuff happen. And as things happen, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Or that's not cool. Or you know, it, or it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, again, we've had this conversation in real life. I think the time travel aspect of Endgame was like the wrong decision. There has to be another way to solve the problem other than time travel. But I think once the time travel aspect is done, or you're in it, and then you're out of it, um, it's fine and fun, and I and I get it. Well, the only reason, and I, I said this too in the review, the only reason the time travel aspect of Endgame doesn't work is the fact that the story necessitates itself. The Russos were like, oh, we have to justify this. And so they had Tilda Swinton sit there, talk to Mark Ruffalo, to be like, hey, this is what time travel has to be, blah, 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 blah. And it's like... We could have got here in like a previous movie. Sure. And like, I mean, we could have discussed time travel earlier so that like your biggest event movie that's three hours long already didn't need this shit. Well, there's a really interesting thing there though, but where like the, the ancient one is explaining uh, how time works to Mark Ruffalo, you know,'s ghost. Um, which is also cool because it show that's showing the fracture thing. That sure, but that's, which... that's what I'm saying. So like it's this has become really interesting in one level in the sense that like this stuff just keeps expanding like off of these like really disparate points. And it, I think this retroactively kind of fixes that scene too in a yeah, way. Yeah, like, yeah, Like you're already like on board with the fracture stuff. Well, so I think it fixes the scene in a different way in oh, the sense wait, that is the ancient one Kang. She's yeah, also, awesome. or he remains because he's so like stuck on like a sacred timeline thing. Maybe I think this is until the Swinton back into the Marvel universe. Oh, I'm sure they would give her. No, actually, they can't because she's come out and said that she's like, or they've come out and said casting her as the ancient one was a mistake. Let's get her back in something else. Um, the variant. Chris, Chris Evans has was in like, and Ryan Reynolds were both in Fantastic Four movies, right? Before they became Deadpool and the Hulk. No, Ryan Reynolds wasn't. Ryan Reynolds was in Blade Trinity. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, Michael B. Jordan was in Fantastic Four. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, they're both human torches. Um, and Michael B. Jordan's obviously going to be. Black I Panther. think it fixes this in the sense that, like, in Endgame, they're like, "Don't worry, this has no stakes. Like, we're just going to put it back. We're just going to put the stone back." And then he puts the stone back, as far as we know, because we've been giving no reason to think that he didn't put the stone back. Gave the stone back. Stayed in the past. Became an old man, blah, 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 blah. This version in Loki is just kind of like, shit's going to be ruined now. Like, Sylvie just ruined the universe. Which, and I, I remember mentioning, no, I mentioned this to my friend Jeff, about like how I wasn't a huge fan initially of them like being like, the Infinity Stones don't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. They're garbage and they're just right. here. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an easy way out. But I think they did a good job and I don't know if so much of the show career's fault, but like Jonathan Majors did a good job of carrying exposition for the last like thirty minutes of that show yeah. and be like, you know, Thanos is a thing. 
But like this is something different and bigger in a way. But my problem is like from a larger universe building perspective. So Loki did an amazing world building thing and I thought was every step of it was totally earned. When they shifted to like Lamentus, when they shifted to when they go from like, you know, and speaking, yeah, really quickly, just as a side, the world building stuff, like the whatever the fuck they're doing with Pompeii aside, every other bit of world building is so fucking great weird. and 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 earned and makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's you know taking fantastical leaps and stuff like that, but like from a narrative standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think what's interesting to this is that like. I don't remember. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Like it's one hundred percent not your fault. It was just—it's like it was a thought that was kind of blossoming as I was talking. Fantastical steps, um, doing a lot of the world building, and that's where I jumped in. Oh, world building, world building, world building. Oh, oh, oh! It seems odd to me that like the ancient one and Dormammu, who are apparently supposed to be so wise and worldly and all this other stuff, and and the ancient one has like a a general knowledge of like. Of, of time branches and how the time stream works, the sacred, you know, I don't know if she used the word sacred timeline, but like the timeline and what happens if you disrupt the, the timeline. How does she not see anything here? Well, like how does, how are they not like as, a, how are she and Dormammu not as aware of, and thus Doctor Strange not as aware of everything? Maybe, maybe he is now. Well, this is what I'd argue. Ancient One, obviously, throughout Doctor Strange and Endgame, withholds information as necessary. She might have had the opinion that Kang, or whatever is to come, is a bigger threat than He Who Remains. Dormammu exists outside of time. Dormammu's like I guess an entire so. thing. Like, there's a reason why they, they had Dormammu pop up and be like, okay, get out of here. We're never going to talk about you again. So, but this brings up... too big for right. these movies. This brings up another question, though, about Loki and Doctor Strange, in that in... Ragnarok, does Doctor Strange know about Loki's destiny, which is to sit in front of Kang and take over the TVA, or like, or 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 um, not take over the TVA, but like take over, like holding the sacred timeline. Well, considering the fact that like Kevin Feige said like we have ten years planned out, like up until Endgame, I'm gonna say no. Mm. I'm gonna say like they were like, but now they're just like, oh, we could touch on that. Mm. But I would say when that movie, I would say when Endgame happened, they had not thought that far ahead. I I think I agree with you, and I think the only thing that I think something that bums me out about this last Loki episode, which I thought was the best episode of the series, I, I thought the last Lamentous one was is my favorite. good. Oh, see, I, I thought Lamentus was kind of. Lamentus is just so Doctor Who, and that's why I like okay. it. Okay. Um, and I, I've never watched Doctor Who. I thought this was good. I liked the exposition. I thought the exposition counted. I thought it really mattered. I thought Jonathan Majors is fucking amazing. I thought those three people together, except for the fact that Sylvie, like, they just refused to let her grow, which is sucked. Like, she just was boring. She's, like, the least, one of the least boring MCU characters in, like, the last five years. And they were just like, you know what you're going to say for the last 20 minutes of this movie, or this show? You're a liar. And it's Sophie Over and over like and over and over and over again, you're really a liar. Really fucking good in the role, too. She's fantastic, and all. then all of a sudden she can't do anything. Whatever. Doesn't make any difference. I think... Well, because if she had grown, you don't get Kang. 
because like that character's growth would have been to not right kill. but i think there's a way to make it i think this is and this is i think the i think ultimate. i think they should have leaned more into he who remains wanting to die or and like, knowing and, that and, he or knowing that he had to that yeah, there was an the, ending he, he, so he eggs her on right so she changes but then he eggs her on with something Forces. So, I'm, because I think that's that's evident in something like saying I'm from the 31st century and I go back, which means that he knows what happens from that moment up until the 31st century, conceivably. No, it's it's somebody. One of mine is from the 31st century, not him. Kang is from the 31st. One of his var yeah. a, a variant, yeah, yeah. But he would still know. Conceivably, he would still know where this goes, mm. which means which suggests an ending beyond whatever major next major thing you know we both kind of agree that they're hedging towards the secret wars thing um i think of bringing in the fantastic four into this makes it seem like they're going to do a jonathan hickman secret wars where doom um and doctor strange conspire and oh, there's one other person but i forget who it is conspire to animal s- from the Muppets. no <laughs> that'd be awesome though conspire to essentially save um life save existence by um manipulating the timeline to the point where like there is a there is a time there a timeline exists and doom rules it and strange is his kind of like soothsayer person he's like his whatever but then all these other marvel characters um find their way into the timeline Either through escaping the, the the cataclysm and getting like stuck inside the bubble that Doom and Strange created, um, or like as a different version of themselves, and they maintain some kind of semblance of memory of past of a past time. You know what I want to do? I want you to like I want you to listen to this episode and then listen to the Avengers Endgame episode and just see your evolution as a fan. But it's been... It's it's funny. Because you're you're kids. It's my kids, but also, like, as I've been watching these shows, which my kids have been really into, I've took the comic books out from the library. I started reading all the comics. So, like, when, when, uh, uh, when fucking WandaVision came out, I read the House of M series. I read... The Vision stuff from 2015, which is fantastic, um, where like Vision creates a family for himself. It's mm. fucking great. Um, I've read all the Hawkeye stuff, the Matt Fraction Hawkeye stuff, which is some of the best writing I've ever read. Um, so I'm, I have a lot of hope for this, which is which is what the Hawkeye series is based off of. So I have a lot of hope for that um, as a as a series. Um, the the Falcon and Winter Soldier stuff is a little was a little harder to come by for me. They're not they're not stocked very well in 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 Bethany. libraries. Not in, not we don't have anything in Bethany, but okay. like in other libraries, like none of that Falcon Winter Soldier stuff, um, which I think is odd. Um, it is fairly new. But I I what I did Mario after Endgame, and not because of Endgame. Actually, there was a moment, and I'll be honest with. So there's a moment where. Me and my kids went to see something at Criterion right after Endgame came out. And they were playing Endgame at Criterion. And we walked out of whatever the movie that was showing at Criterion. And me and my guy just stood in front of a door um, watching Endgame. And he was just kind of like... And I was like, oh, Endgame... He would like Endgame because it's deep for a kid. And it's like has all these paths and all this... 
and all this shit. And I just started thinking about it. And I got to the point where like, I just didn't care anymore. Which I guess is where everybody else is. Where they just don't care anymore. And Or, no, no. Which is, I guess, where all the normal people are supposed to be. Which is, like, this stuff doesn't matter. It's just for fun. It just if has you to be... extract all the Reddit horseshit from it, it's just a good time. Yeah, if it's logically consistent. Right. And if it's consistent... Like, the problem we had with... I, the problem we had with Black Widow is it's it's too jarring of a, of a film. It's two different things, and it's not probably very fun for a kid to watch. The beginning was it was tough. The whole beginning up and through the credits, which that just that awful awful um, smells like Teen Spirit cover. But I also feel like so the humor doesn't like land for a kid. Well, actually, they found most of it really funny. Oh, okay. Um, and they but like I think the the thing they found the least entertaining was natasha Mm. they want more red guardian they want more melina i think it's hilarious that melina is has more personality than natasha at this point um you know they want more of those people they think taskmaster looks cool they don't fucking give a shit what taskmaster is like in the spider-man ps4 game or like how or like one of the the cartoons, like all these Reddit motherfuckers are obsessed with like he's Taskmaster's. He just means to be a douchebag. It's like well, he doesn't have to be anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's a it's fucking like, guy in a skeleton costume. Who cares? Just be yeah, and that's the thing. Like as long as it's consistent, it doesn't really matter. And that's what like Loki succeeds on is it's consistent and it follows along with that consistency. And it blows up the world in, in a fun way where you could do a lot of fun things with it and be consistent with your own logic. But also fun and meaningful. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Because I think it was the thing that ultimately held me back from enjoying Endgame when I saw it was that, like, this time travel doesn't seem meaningful. They're it's obviously to to not the going to all get stuck in time. We have to get to the third act. Right. Which means everyone's... And they did. Everyone came back but Nat, and Nat died for, like, a good reason. And... Whatever, but like, and then after everything else happens, like when the last, which, which actually worked because sure. like every, like myself included, was convinced that that was a way to write out Jeremy Renner. Yeah, but I think what's interesting about that though is that after Nat dies, for the last forty-five minutes of the movie, you don't really give a shit that Nat's not there because you know who else is there? Everybody. Yeah. So who cares? There's not even a funeral for her in the end, in the actual like denouement of that. Film. No, no, no. They have the funeral for. The, the funeral for, uh, you know, Tony Stark. And they're just like, well, hope, hope you, she, hope she did think, good. You think Russo could have, like, the Russo's could have thrown in a thing where, like, Hawkeye's really upset. I'm going to be honest with you, Mario. They fucking stink. Yeah, they did some good community episodes. That's about it. Hopefully, hopefully they're done. Yeah, we're done. Let's get, uh... No, Chloe. Honestly, let's, honestly, let's get, let's get Katie Huron to direct the, the, these events. I'm sure films. she will. And I think, I think if this Chloe Zhao thing does anything, she's going to be the king of Marvel. Yeah, I don't. I don't want her doing the Avengers movies. Though. I don't. Think I don't, she's I don't do want. Avengers yeah, movies. I don't want. I don't want like a good eye. Doing do I think movies. she comes back every two years for like six years to do a, an Eternals movie? Yeah, I yeah. think she does. It's like and those G- Eternals, it's like the James Gunn thing, and those Eternals movies get huge, like like very big, and all of a sudden she's in control of like sixty Marvel characters. I think she does, and she makes up for giving us Nomadland. Yeah, I'm forgiving her. I'm forgiving yeah. her because we'll I don't see, think we'll it's see at the end of the year what happens with Nomadland for well, me for us no. for me alright nothing's happening for me either <laughs> no I mean like in terms of the other part of my list oh I, I fucking still hate that movie man I've totally forgotten about it it's not even on my I, radar I think, the, I think it only has one nomination for worst right now 
I'm not. It's not making any of my worst lists. Just Francis McDormand. She shits all over that movie. I forget. I again. I forgive her. I wish. I love other movies more. I think the. I think for me, it's. I've watched. Um, what did I watch recently? I watched Swallow again recently, and Haley Bennett is just like murdering everything, and I'm just like. It makes me kind of forget that Francis McDormand exists. Yeah. Which is, I think, I think is kind of fair of Nomadland and fair for her, which is, I like her as an actress. I think she was not good in Nomadland. And I don't even think she's, I don't even think she's not good. She just doesn't, like, whatever she's doing doesn't work in Nomadland. But I, it's so not memorable. Like, in, yeah, it's not like Meryl Streep and Let Them All Talk no, memorably sure. terrible that, that's that's fair um it's just kind of like i'm here and smiling and just not really doing anything but i'm gonna really pretend like i'm working really really hard and maybe i am working hard but it's not ever gonna feel like i'm working hard it's gonna feel like i'm not doing it's not gonna be it's gonna feel like i'm not doing anything it's 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 like forgettably it's tough but forgettably so and i guess that's my best compliment i could get give to nomadland is that i'm just like it's gone i just i don't it's gone Something about that movie, man. Just well, we have uh, some stuff coming up, Mario. We'll get to it eventually. Yeah. Space Jam, Wait. Lola Bunny. I was going to say that. Do we have? Do I have to? No. Okay, good. I mean, you have. You are going to have it. You're going to have access to it. I just maybe you'll be hammered one night and you'll text me at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's the only way I'm going to watch it. I do not give a fuck. That Black Widow text that you sent, I like woke up at like because I, I haven't been sleeping, so I woke up at like five in the morning. And I like I was like three hours ago, and I was like, "Why is Mario watching a movie at two in the morning?" I wasn't, I wasn't drunk. I was, no, no, I'm not was, saying you were I drunk. Was, I'm just saying like, yeah. "Why were you up? Why? Because I'm Why you awake? I stay up until like three thirty on the weekend. Oh man, I can't even imagine. I played horrible. video games with my buds for another hour and a half after that. Uh, played some Gang Beasts. Gang Beasts. What is that? I need to pee. Let's end well, this episode. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you want to pee, <laughs> well, you can do so on <laughs> Film Pivotal. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, don't link us to your urine. No, no, no. It'd be an interesting like, new Twitter but thing as, that happens. As you urinate, think about what you want to tweet us. Imagine and then tweet that, us that. Yes, perfect. Wish ha- hashtag Pivotal Urine Thoughts. Pivotal Urine <laughs> Um, Or go to Pivotal... Film podcast, or send us an email at pivotalfilmpodcast.gmail.com or go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the movies on our top 100 list um, or the beers that we drank during our thing or links to how to subscribe <laughs> to the show or whatever. You were going to finish the podcast? What? The year ago when we used to do beers? I guess we still do East Broad Cruise. Okay, yeah, guess what? We're, we're drinking High Life tonight. I had a Rolling Rock. Oh, I had a Rolling Rock when I got here. So. We, who cares? Oh, All right. Um, it's too hot. Go see movies, drink beers, and we'll talk to you eventually. Bye.